This is episode number 58 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell and Anita Lambert. And on today's podcast, we have Terrell Baldock, who will be sharing about her three different birth experiences. In past episodes, Jess has shared about her emergency cesarean with baby one and elective cesarean with baby two, and I've shared about both of my home births. Birth doesn't always go as pictured, so we want to have more birth stories on the podcast to show all the various ways birth can be experienced. So thank you so much, Terrell, for being on the podcast and sharing all of your experiences. No, thanks for having me. And for those who don't know Terrell, just a bit about her. She's a certified personal trainer, postnatal fitness specialist, and trained birth and postpartum doula and a mom of three in London, Ontario, Canada. She coaches women out of her training studio and online fitness business, The Barbell Balance. She has spoken at the University of Western Ontario discussing prenatal and postnatal fitness considerations and has led educational workshops for public health physios in her community. All of this, Jess and I love, and the fact that you've gone through Jess's program as well. Um, can you share a bit about where you were in your fitness coaching journey before you had your first baby? You know, I was six months in um, uh, my personal training career when I found out I was pregnant. Um, in fact, I had started my career because I wasn't think being a mom was something that was going to happen for me. Um, but it did. Yep. <laughs> what were your ideas going into your first birth then with kind of where you were in your career? Um, well, I thought I had all the answers. Um, I, of course, knew everything because my ego was just that big. Um, I thought that my body could just handle handle it, um, that my body was just made for birth, uh, pregnancy, birth. Um, and, yeah, I, I was pretty ignorant um, going into both pregnancy and birth um, simply because the messaging at that time was you know um, you know if you're strong and you train on a regular basis if you train hard your body can just handle it um, I learned much later that's not the case <laughs> Yeah, we've had this conversation many times on the podcast, just being immersed in this hashtag fit pregnancy world and some of the natural birth communities, which can be positive and can be extremely dangerous at times as well. Um, but yeah, and this messaging in the fitness community, which is still extremely pervasive, that 
we can train for birth and if you exercise hard you're gonna be fit for birth your body's gonna be able to do it like you need to train intensely because birth is an athletic event and it's so problematic yeah I agree and you know that was probably a process that I've been kind of working through over um you know, my last three pregnancies and even just with clients that I have and their expectations going into uh, their pregnancies and, and birth. I seriously thought I would walk out of the hospital with like a six pack. Like that's just where my mentality was at the time. And when I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to appreciate what I had just been through. Um, and I, I think that's where you know, a lot of women are, in a sense, failed within the fitness industry, having those expectations, because that's what we see most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us about that first birth experience? Yeah, you know, I, I think this is where my ignorance worked to my benefit. Um, because I was just so excited to meet my baby. Um, I had waited so long to have a baby and here he was, you know, he was coming. Um, you know, I, what happened? So four days before he was born, actually, I started to bleed. I had a really tough workout um, and started bleeding as a result went to the hospital, I was checked out, they found that I was okay, um, and sent me home and said it's gonna be a few more weeks. Well, four, late, four days later, I have this little trickle down my leg, thinking that I just peed myself. Um, and there I was Googling, did I pee myself? Like, I had no idea what was happening. Um, ended up going to bed that night, feeling a bit crampy. Uh, woke up at three in the morning, that next morning, going, okay, there's no way this is pee. Uh, and we went to the hospital. Um, I was admitted fairly quickly and, you know, they were like, congratulations, you're going to have a baby today, admitted me or got me into the birthing suite and had me walk around a little bit um, just to get labor going because I wasn't uh, laboring. Uh, then the head nurse comes in and asks, well, how long ago did your water break? I said, well, yesterday at noon. And at this time, I think it was like 7 a.m. Well, she starts panicking. So here I am thinking, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. Um, so immediately, like I'm, I'm feeling a little bit stressed. And then they say, okay, well, we need to induce you and we have to speed things up um, because it's been 18 hours since your water broke. Okay, fine. You know, and again, I really... I didn't know um, how different uh, Pitocin was compared to having natural contractions, right? So I was refusing the epidural because I wanted to do it all naturally. Uh, reality hit within a few hours and I was like screaming for an epidural. Um, so luckily I was able to get one and relax a little bit. But like I said, you know, like I really wasn't concerned about how I was going to give birth. I just wanted to, to have my baby with me. And um, so <clears throat> when it came time to push, uh, the OB came in and said, okay, you know, we're gonna do some practice pushes. Um, this will be, you know, about an hour, uh, but expect to be pushing for two hours because you're um, a first time or this is your first time. And I'm thinking challenge accepted. 
Um, <laughs> you know, there's no way I'm pushing for two hours. Um, so they coached me to bear down and I did everything they told me and I was pushing as hard as I could. Like, yeah, like every muscle that I had, I was, I was using to push and yeah, 34 minutes later, um, and a big tear, you know, there he was, he was, um, you know, he was born screaming still to this day. He's, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I really, you know, that I really let my ego get in the way, well, not get in the way, but, um, make that decision for me, right? Not understanding how much impact I was placing on on my body and what that recovery was going to look like going forward. And so, what uh, like what was your recovery like after having him? And it sounds like maybe it wasn't that what you had expected. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Um, like I said, yeah, I thought the recovery was going to be easy because everybody had told me that I was just going to bounce right back. So I'm thinking I'm going to be doing cartwheels out of the hospital. Yeah, it didn't happen. Um, so when I went into the maternity ward after, um, yeah, after being in the birthing suite, we got to our room and I got settled in, went to go to the bathroom. And that was like the first time I looked at uh, my vulva. And I was like, what happened? You know, like, what's happening down here? And like, I lift up my gown and I show my husband. He's like, do you not know, like, do you, did you not feel what you just went through? And he said, when I tore, he, he heard a little pop and saw like blood squirting out. I'm, I'm being graphic, you know, that's just how it happened. Um, he saw the whole thing happen and I'm thinking, whoa, like I had no idea. Like it was really swollen. Uh, it took a few days to, for the swelling to come down. It hurt. Like it, it really, it hurt to sit down. It hurt to walk. Um, and that in itself, probably, I think it took about seven months just for that to heal emotionally. Um, you know, I, I wasn't prepared for all of that to um, happen postpartum either. I'd heard of the baby blues, but I didn't realize like how significant that would be. Um, and even just with, you know, the postpartum depression that I had, you know, and how all of that played a role into how I was healing, um, you know, physically and you know, it just, it's my self-esteem, like everything just, it took a big hit just, you know, simply from not being educated in what to expect or how to help this healing process, um, move a lot easier than it, than it did. And then dealing with a colicky baby when you're, you know, when you're trying to heal and holding this poor crying baby for as long as I needed, um, or, you know, just to comfort him and just how much um, stress that put on, you know, my body as well. Like, none of that I was prepared for. Thank you for sharing all that. I know it can be really intense to relive these experiences. I'm interested, after you were going through that postpartum journey and 
such a challenging time. Where did you search for resources to help you and what did you find? At that time, I wasn't too into social media. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't really know of any resources in my community or even just out there in general. Um, I, you know, I, I was pretty much a shut in for a while. I was going, you know, to the gym and reintroducing that into it, but I was kind of being praised for my obsessive behaviors in that sense. Um, so I really didn't have a lot of support. Um, my husband didn't know what was going on with me, so he didn't know how to help me. Um, and I really didn't recognize that it was depression only because what I had heard about depression was that I wanted to harm my baby. And that's what I was expecting to feel, but I didn't feel that, you know, I loved my baby. I wanted to protect him. Um, so I was really, I was really confused. Um, and the pamphlet that we got from the hospital wasn't very helpful. Um, so it wasn't till a year and a half that I, I just completely crashed and my, I went to the doctor and she then prescribed medication and that was just all I got at that time. Um, but you know, it's, I really didn't learn to deal with postpartum depression and anxiety up until my most recent birth actually, or even really think of re, um, reaching out for myself in that aspect. Cause I thought I would, it was taken care of until like I knew it wasn't after, after Graydon's birth. And then how long after his birth then, um, did you expect your second one? Well, with Cassandra, that was, or he was two, almost three. I can't remember exactly. Um, but I was actually with Cassandra, um, I had to get help with a fertility doctor. Um, so that was a pretty big process in itself that took about a year um, to get pregnant again. Not that we were planning on getting pregnant when Brandon was a year, because I, I was in no place to do that. Um, but I was starting, I was having some problems um, hormonally with my with my period and um having that you know like a week on and a week off going to doctors trying to get all of that figured out um going to specialists having mris and uh it was suggested to me by my cousin to go to a fertility doctor because they that's what they do they work with uh reproductive health and this was a reproductive health problem um, and that was the first time that I was really um, taken seriously as far as that. And yeah, with all the diagnose diagnostics, the surgery, um, that was about a year. So Brandon, yeah, he was just a long-winded answer here, but he was uh, almost three, maybe like three or two years, nine months. So yeah, sorry, long-winded answer there, but. That's okay, these details are important to the whole journey. So what did you feel during that pregnancy and consequently going into that next birth? Well, I wanted to be better prepared. 
Um, and I felt that I was. Uh, and I also took, that's when I started taking my doula training. Um, and that was a six month course in itself. So, and when I initially got signed up for this course, um, I wasn't pregnant. Uh, it was something that I wanted to be better educated with uh, when it came to coaching my clients and working with clients in that period of their life as well. Um, so yeah, I was so much, I was, yeah, focused more on preparing for just the, the emotional side of things because I wanted to try to avoid postpartum depression again if I could. Um, I wasn't too concerned about my body um, at that point. I was just more concerned about my mental health, um, which that helped me with. And it opened my eyes as far as, you know, bringing kind of like past traumas or past demons into pregnancy, birth and parenting. Um, I'm sorry, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, and I'm wondering what, um, what did you find when you were preparing for the mental health side going into that pregnancy? Um, you know, I, I found that, you know, um, I, a lot of my anxiety in, into motherhood, that depressive period, um, I found that, you know, it was, it was triggered by my, you know, things that had happened in my past, my childhood, um, in feelings that I had in myself, right, just not feeling good enough, you know, and a lot of that resonated you know through you know my pregnancy with Brandon my birth with Brandon and it was starting to come up again in my pregnancy with Cassandra um, and I thought if I was better prepared for that this time around or during that time that she that if I was starting to have those signs and symptoms again that I could just go for help and I would get the help that I, I needed. Were you still immersed in this Fit pregnancy culture during the second pregnancy? No, um, Cassandra actually knocked me down. Um, <laughs> I, I was really sick with her in the beginning, and then I had a lot of pelvic girdle pain um, to the point where, like, it would it hurt to move. So I, I spent a lot of that pregnancy on the couch um, because, yeah, just moving, walking downstairs, just everyday activities, just it, it, I, I was in so much pain that I just, I didn't want to move. Um, and that's actually where I started learning more about pelvic health and the role that plays in, in birth and um, postpartum. Was it mentally difficult to be away from exercise during that time? It was. Um, and what bothered me the most was that you know, those, those simple things that I would do with my son, I couldn't do. Um, we lived in a really hilly neighborhood. So going to the park was just really hard on, on my body. Um, I couldn't run around and play with him the way that he needed. So that's where my mindset started to, to shift, um, into, I, I couldn't be so obsessive with exercise. I couldn't be so restrictive with my diet because I needed to survive. Um, and I came out of that thinking, if I don't work out, I'll be okay. <laughs> you know, like it's not going to kill me. And what was interesting was as inactive as I was with my pregnancy with Cassandra, um, you know, 
I didn't gain as much weight with her. Um, not that that mattered to me at the time, but it was just an interesting um, experience because I worked so hard to avoid weight gain with my first, and I worked out two hours a day um, to do whatever I could to burn off that calorie, whereas I couldn't move with my daughter. And, you know, my body was just doing what it needed to do. And I was, yeah, like, it looked, I looked like I had maybe continued to work out and, you know, had that fit pregnancy when I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. So there's, it's interesting that there are elements of thin privilege at times Mm -hmm. during these situations, right? I think that I experienced that more so during my first pregnancy as well. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Okay. The suspense. Tell us about the second birth. Goodness. Well, you know, I, so my son came, he was 37 weeks and four days when he was born. So I was expecting Cassandra to, to be, to come early as well. Um, so, you know, the, gosh, her story's, her story's funny um, because I had done my doula training. I had been very well prepared for birth um, and just what that would look like from like a client um, to, or like a doula client to, you know, or doula to client um, perspective. You know, um, yeah, I was convinced that she was, she was gonna come early. I had planned a home birth with her because I wanted a different birth experience. Um, and I thought that that would help with my postpartum depression and anxiety. I thought, you know, that would be having a little bit more control over my, my birth would be a positive step in the right direction for my postpartum recovery. But I was starting to chicken out because I'm like, there's no way I could handle that. You know, like that's just it you know, labor is not pleasant and well, and it's not, it wasn't pleasant for having a Pitocin the first time around and having them speed it up. Um, so I was comparing this time with that and there, the fears were starting to come up. The plan was to pack a bag. We'll pack a bag. If I change my mind, then we can go to the hospital. So the day before she was born, you know, I just, I felt the need to walk and move. I just, even with that pelvic girdle pain, I was like, no, I just need to walk. I just want to walk. Um, We went shopping. We went to the park. We took my son to the park. We went out for lunch, just kind of living our lives just with lots of walking. Um, You know, I I went to bed that night, just feeling kind of normal. Then... I, I woke up at around 2.30 in the morning, and that wasn't um, unusual at that time um, because I was waking up crampy most nights. Um, I'd go to the bathroom, and it kind of resolve itself, and then I'd be able to go back to sleep. Um, so this time, yeah, I woke up, went to the bathroom, and I, I wiped, and I, I saw a little bit of blood there. I'm like, huh, interesting. Okay, so I go to tell my husband, hey, Daryl, you know, like, I think she's coming today. We might want to call the midwife. Kind of just mumbles something, rolls back over and goes to sleep. I hop back into bed and I can't get comfortable. Well, maybe I just need to go to the bathroom again. So I go to the bathroom again. 
and I'm still feeling crampy, but it's not overwhelming. So I get up and I said, you know what? I think we need to call the midwives now. So he calls the midwife. I walk to the bed and I'm just, it's starting to intensify the contractions. Now I know them as contractions. Wasn't sure what they were at the time. Um, and I was like, oh, this really hurts. What's going on here? I walked to my side of the bed, which was on the opposite side of where I was. And my husband said something to me. I can't remember what it was, but my midwife was still on the phone. He hangs up the phone and says, okay, she's on her way. Thinking, well, that's weird. Why would she come over now? Um, then I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? I remember just feeling like I can't move because, you know, like things were starting to pick up. And I looked at my bathtub, like, okay, maybe if I walk over there, hop in the bath, that'll make things feel better. And, um, yeah, no, not moving. I'm not going anywhere. It's too far. I looked up at my at, at the bed. Okay, well, maybe I should just go lay down and get comfortable. No, I, I'm not moving anywhere. And in my doula training, I remember, um, you know, being told when in doubt, get in, got get on your hands and knees, or have your client get on your hands and knees. So that's what I did. I got on my hands and knees. And so, Daryl, we need to go to the hospital now. My bag's not packed because we were going to do that the next morning. He's racing around trying to pack a bag for me. I'm trying to get dressed on my hands and knees, getting him to throw me clothes. Um, and then I'm like, oh, my, I'm pushing. And he's thinking, no, like, you can't push. I'm like, no, I got to push. Like, it's happening. Thankfully, my mom was up uh, because, again, I was expecting Cassandra to come a little bit early. Uh, so I'm going to run and get your mom. He runs down to the basement to get my mom. You know, he runs back upstairs. And I see my mom just kind of dawdle into the room, not realizing that I'm there half naked, pushing. Well, my pants were around my knees because I tried to put them on and it wasn't happening. <laughs> So I, I remember, like, I and I was fully aware of what was happening, but I was just very in tune with what was happening to me as well. Um, and keep in mind, my midwife, my duel is not there. It's just us. And I remember my mom laying out the a shower curtain that I insisted my husband getting the day before out on the floor so I wouldn't ruin the carpet because um, it was white and, you know. I'm like, okay, no, I'm really pushing. And I remember my mom and my husband at the same time saying, well, stop pushing. And I guess there were some swear words. I don't remember that, but I was cursing them out. I, but I, what I do remember is saying, okay, Daryl, you're going to have to catch this baby because nobody was there. It was just us. So I'm coaching them through what's happening and trying to, keep myself calm you know he's behind me he's like well what do I do grab a towel and just get behind me so he's got his hands underneath me and and then I'm saying I can't do this I can't do this and again I remembered back into my doula training that that's transition and it's almost done so then I'm in transition and I start like call, um yelling that out and Daryl and my mom will, what's transition? I'm almost done. She's coming. 
Um, and then I hear like a squirting noise and Daryl say, well, that was your water. It like broke all over him. Like it just squirted. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a scene of a movie from for sure. And um, my midwife got there, told him to just go to her car and get her bag. And she says to this day, he's the only husband that she's had run out to her car because she didn't want to stop and get it just in case. She's now behind me delivering Cassandra. And she's calm and she's like, so how are things going, you know? And I'm thinking, you know, like, I'm pushing out a baby, you know? And, um, and then, yeah, within a few minutes, you know, there was Cassandra. I remember just turning around and just scooping her up in my arms and just laying there on, well, just sitting there on the floor and just like holding her, like everything's all out. And I didn't care, you know, it's just, wow. Did that just happen? <laughs> like just, yeah, in so much shock. Yeah, so they made sure that we were okay. I got back into bed. They were examining her. Next thing I know, I'm in the shower, and I'm thinking, wow, this does not hurt at all. Um, I remembered with Brandon just how much things hurt after giving birth to him and how nothing hurt this time around. Hopping back into my bed, being comfortable and, you know, with a baby. It, it was just the most surreal experience that I'd had um ever and you know like to this day that's just Cassandra's personality if she wants something she she's going for it and she wanted out right then <laughs> oh Holy my goodness shit that's yeah. crazy yeah yeah, yeah. that your two births those two births were definitely very different um and, you know, before Cassandra's birth, you had done your doula training in between both births. Did you feel more prepared that this could happen for birth? Or were you equally surprised of how this birth actually played out? Uh, I had heard stories um, that, you know, with the second baby, it tends to happen a little quicker. Things seem to take place a little or yeah, it, it happens a little faster. Uh, I didn't expect it to happen that fast. I, I thought there might be time to go to the hospital. Yeah, I was definitely surprised. Like I said, you know, I think that's when I started following social media a little bit more and seeing the birth stories or the birth videos that, you know, you see on Facebook. So I was kind of expecting, you know, like the birth pool and, you know, bath and, back rub I didn't get any of that to be quite honest I felt a little ripped off I'm like, <laughs> like where's my bath but yeah no I was surprised so how long was it start to finish uh it was less than an hour that blows my mind I've yeah. heard so many of these stories and still like it doesn't even make sense in my brain that this can happen still doesn't make sense to me <laughs> But it was amazing and it, it was a really interesting experience because going from you know um a, a technocratic birth where you know you're in the hospital and it's very controlled under medical care and then allowing my body and having the experience of my body just taking care of what it needed to it, it was a cool it, it was a really neat experience yeah it's incredible so what was your recovery like physically mentally emotionally after that one 
it was better. Um, as far as pain, I didn't have any. Um, Cassandra, it was a little bit more challenging with her because she just never slept. So because she didn't sleep, I wasn't sleeping. And so I did fall into um, a bit of a depression there, had a lot of anxiety, a lot of guilt because now, you know, I have this toddler that I'm still caring for and I'm not able to care for him because I'm so focused on trying to get this one to sleep. Um, I remember, you know, for an entire day, I sat in a dark room holding her, trying to get her to sleep. And, um, you know, so again, I reached out much sooner for help because um, for me, it shows up in my sleep. I just stopped sleeping. Um, so I noticed that pattern happening a lot sooner um, with Cassandra. So at about three months postpartum, again, I, I went on to some medication to help with that and help manage the sleep because once I, I slept, things would feel a bit better. It was a lot different. Um, and after she was born, so 12 weeks after, because I'd started learning about pelvic health during my pregnancy with her, um, I did go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist uh, here in London. Um, and I was about 12 weeks postpartum. No, I was about five months, four or five months. I don't even remember. Gosh, like I find that now that I'm a mom, I don't remember anything. Like dates just don't matter. Totally. <laughs> they, they don't matter. Um, so anyway, the point is I went um, and I was, I was diagnosed with a pelvic organ prolapse. And so that kind of added some confusion into my healing process. Um, and that's just where, you know, my education as far as getting certified and working more in pelvic health began. But because of that, my, my physical recovery, I was about easier on myself not beating the crap out of myself going to the gym every day you know and I, that played you know a role in my emotional health as well because I wasn't so stressed about what my body should look like postpartum it was more about how I move excuse me how I was feeling on the inside um but I remember actually finding Jesse on um Facebook on social media and you were still pregnant with steel. So it was like, I was kind of just following along with what you were doing when you were postpartum. I'm like, Oh, this kind of, you know, like I, I feel good, you know, like this. It, and I didn't have really much support other than that um, during that time, which I found helpful. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it was much different. Um, only The only difference was was that then because of the information that I, I really had with pelvic health at that time, um, it was like, you know, you don't want to lift too much or you'll make your prolapse worse or you're going to make your symptoms worse. Um, so I had a lot of fear with that. You know, that was a tricky thing, I think, for me to to navigate um and then you know having that pelvic girdle pain during during my pregnancy i didn't want to go back to that so yeah it, there was more, more fear i guess within the physical recovery at that time so with having experienced prolapse and the pelvic girdle pain going into your third pregnancy 
how did how did uh, that play out physically, but also with your mental health going through that pregnancy? I was asymptomatic with the prolapse, and I went um, to get reassessed at about a year postpartum. So, and it, it had been downgraded, so I wasn't worried so much about that. Um, I was more concerned about pelvic girdle pain. So, yeah, I, I was um, going into this pregnancy, which was also a surprise. Um, it was, it was definitely a concern of mine. It was always top of mind. Um, with that being said, though, it was my most balanced pregnancy. Um, you know, like the perfect blend of you know, exercise, nutrition, my mental health, like mentally, I was in a better place, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that the training that I had and the education that I had um, contributed to, um, you know, not getting that again. So uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any, any pelvic pain during my pregnancy. And if I did, it was usually because of a certain movement that I was doing. So I would just modify it or just omit it. Um, but then I did also early in my pregnancy, I started Jesse's course, um, the, the postnatal uh, fitness specialist training. I was taking um, Brianna Battle's course at the time. So I found a lot of help within those two courses. Um, did I, I'm trying to think, did I take any other course? I'm sure I did, but those, you know, were the ones that really helped with um, my physical health as well as, you know, I, I really liked um, Jesse's course because it delved so much deeper into hormonal, um, you know, hormonal recovery or even just hormonal challenges during pregnancy touched on that, um, which you know, gave me a lot more insight going into this pregnancy and then postpartum. So I, I was much more comfortable with my body, definitely in my third, my third birth or my third pregnancy. And what did fitness look like for your third pregnancy? Because you mentioned with your first, you kind of didn't, it's, it didn't sound like you modified anything. You kind of went full on at the gym. And then the second one with Cassandra, you were on the couch because of how you were feeling. So what did your third pregnancy look like? Um, well, I continued to strength train, um, you know, um, I still used a, the barbell until it wasn't feeling good anymore, dumbbells, you know, I was still doing all of the foundational or functional movements. Um, I had, you know, I was focused more on my, my pelvic floor and my core this time around. And so anything that I was doing, I had that in mind and working um, and integrating that into my training. Um, and then also just really focusing on learning to relax my pelvic floor when I needed to relax it. Um, but it was good. It was a really positive experience, um, which, you know, also again, really helped with my mental health. Um, and my self-confidence and my body image, you know, it was the first pregnancy I had where I showed my belly and was like, Hey, look at this, you know? Um, and yeah, like, and you know, if I didn't feel well, I would do something light or rest. Right. So I, I wasn't 
feeling so much pressure, putting so much pressure on myself to overdo it. I love that. I love um, how you're sharing like three pregnancies. Cause I think a lot of people think, oh, my pregnancy is going to be the same every time. My birth is going to be the same every time. But your experience to show exactly the same person could experience three different pregnancies, three different births. Yeah. Um, and so going into your third birth, what was your kind of preference or plan with this? Were you planning home, hospital, or how was that going? Um, I was planning another home birth, uh, simply, you know, because I had done it before. So I, I was better prepared as to what to expect. Um, also, I felt confident. Yeah you know, the education and the training that I had that, you know, my body was in a good place. That. Um, and then also easier for our life. I mean, two other little kids at home, our families live four hours away. So, you know, we wanted, you know, to kind of be able to be there for our other kids as well. And the home birth was our best option going, going into that. So yeah and you know honestly it's a really nice way to recover after having a baby going into your own bed and your own environment but it, it didn't go that way but yeah you know um we had everything set up and planned for our home birth and so how did that birth go i know a bit about that first story you've shared yeah. it on social media which uh i know a lot of people appreciate that so there was a, a bit of a surprise with that birth with Raiden, yeah. Um, so, and luckily it happened the way that it did um, because things could have gone a lot worse. Um, so when I was about 30 weeks pregnant, um, he was breech. So there was mild talk of a C-section, um, but they didn't want to get into the options until I was 36 weeks pregnant um, because there was still time for him to flip, which he did. I did lots of um, spinning babies, you know, looking all that stuff up, Webster techniques. So he did, he flipped. And uh, at 36 weeks and four days was when the midwives came over to do the home visit. They, they checked his positioning, yeah, he was head down in my pelvis. Things were looking really good. Um, I had a feeling again that he was gonna come early because uh, I was having a lot of Braxton Hicks. They were becoming more frequent, more intense. So I was, I was preparing for that. So 36 weeks in five days, um, you know, a normal day. I was home with Cassandra and I, I was feeling a bit crampy, but again, nothing unusual. Uh, so I went to go have a bath uh, when my husband got home. Um, I got out of the tub, dried myself off, only my underwear is still, you know, like what's going on here? Um, I knew it was my water. Um, so we called the babysitter, um, because my midwife had said, we need to go to the hospital because you're still technically um, preterm, 36 weeks and five days. So, you know, two days away, right? We go there, nothing's really happening. Um, 
she couldn't, there wasn't any more uh, leaking um, because it wasn't like a full water. Um, it was just like a bit of leaking, kind of like if you peed yourself, just a little trickle down the leg. Uh, so I, we were sent home and crampy through the night. So, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I was laboring through the night. Didn't get much sleep. Um, so the next day, my husband was taking my my daughter out just to run some errands. My son was home. He was a bit older, happy playing video games. I was just going to go lay down. And this is how classy I am. My plan was to lay in bed, watch The Real Housewives of New Jersey, and eat those ah caramels. You know, those like... <laughs> So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to relax, take it easy, and eat these things. Then, you know, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go to the bathroom real quick. And then I'm going to hop into bed. So I, I I went, and then I heard just like this little pop. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Like, I am here with a five-year-old all by myself. What do I do? And there was just that moment of panic. I'm like, I'm gonna have to deliver this baby all by myself over there, you know, right in my bathtub. Then, uh, then I hear my husband calling, saying, "Okay, I'm on my way out." And no, 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 you're not going anywhere. I think we're going back to the hospital. And yeah, we went back to the hospital. Um, my doula met us there. Um, they didn't. So she wanted to bring in an OB consult this time just to see where the leak was. They brought in the um, the ultrasound um, just to see where this leak was. And they found that he was breached. So between that, the day before and on the way to the hospital, he flipped. Um, so, you know, in, in my heart, you know, I was like, the C-section is my best. The best option here um because my brother was born um breach but he, it was a vaginal breach delivery he had gotten stuck uh lost oxygen to his brain and the stem of his brain was damaged leaving him with you know a lot of lifelong challenges and you know if that was something that i could prevent you know with with you know, I'm great and then that's what I would do. Um, now my midwife did give me some options and she did say, you know, like, you are a good candidate for a breech vaginal um, because you're still preterm. Chances are he's still small because your other two were small. Um, and they were going to, and the OB that was there that day was, um, she had experience with breech vaginal birth. So I thought, well, Nothing's really happening right now, so I might as well just chat with her and see what she thinks um, is a good option and, you know, maybe help me to make a better informed decision. Uh, but she was in another birth, so she couldn't come right away. Um, so we were kind of waiting for her, and then labor started picking up. So I was going into active labor in the triage room, and... It was funny, like, it was really light. We were joking about, you know, like, I, I was hungry. I wish we had stopped to eat something on the way to the hospital. So I was joking that, you know, each contraction was bringing me that much closer to a cheeseburger. Um, I was, you know, 
you know, doing like the visualizations and just imagining everything relaxing. And it was like, my vagina is a flower, you know, just kind of being, you know, fairly goofy like that, but also, you know, coaching myself to just stay calm through each contraction. And, you know, yeah, like we were all joking and laughing and, um, the resident OB came back and said, okay, we need to do an examination just, or like an internal to see how, how far dilated you are. And, you know, honestly, like I felt wrong about it. It didn't feel right. And, you know, I wish I had said no. Um, but you know, we needed to see where things were at. So I, I laid down and of course I was having contractions as they were doing it. And I was only maybe about four centimeters. Um, they were done as soon as they left the room, my water completely broke. Um, everybody ran into the room, flipped me up onto my left side, started undressing me saying, baby's not happy. Um, we may need to put you to sleep. Um, I need you to sign this. And my husband's like, you know, um, can I sign this? You know, she can't do this right now. And I'm thinking I will be okay. You know, and I signed it and I said to my husband, I'm going to be okay. And they just wheeled me off to the OR and, uh, you know, I just, you know, and this is the part that haunts me the most. Um, my husband, you know, just, I love you. You're the strongest person I know, you know, like, you know, just, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I was just gripping onto the, the rail as hard as I could, um, because I was going into transition and my doula, you know, when I was getting undressed had said, you're going to go into transition. So yeah, she was right. I was going into transition. I was trying to breathe. The contractions were just so intense that I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. Um, I was just, yeah, just like, I got to keep breathing. I got to keep calm, you know? And I, I just, throughout the whole thing, I was like, I got to keep my diaphragm moving. I got to keep my diaphragm moving. Going back to that doula training that I had and, you know, talking about how, you know, once you hold your breath, your diaphragm stops moving and you go into fight or flight, right? So I was doing what I could to keep that from happening um, because I was aware enough that if I panic, they're going to put me to sleep. And that just, I, I didn't want that. Um, so I was just trying to just keep breathing and they wheeled me in and I remember just how calm everybody was and I'm expecting Grey's Anatomy, right? Like bodies flying everywhere and, you know, panic everywhere, but everybody was just calm and very kind and they, um, putting me up on the table, um, on the OR table or getting me up. Oh gosh, that hurt. You know, the anesthesiologist introduced himself and said, okay, we're going to do this now. I need you to round your back. And I'm like, oh yeah, good luck. And I started pushing as they were putting the spinal tap in. And I remember letting out this like big scream and my husband heard it. And I'm so thankful that my doula was there to just 
let him know that like she's in transition like that's just what's happening that's what you're hearing um because i can't imagine what it was like for him um and i know he's still pretty angry about that whole that whole thing um but um yeah so once this final tap went in and they laid me down well i was still up and i was yelling out like i'm pushing i'm pushing and once that spinal tap went in, I, I felt pretty good after that. Um, and I was a little bit more relaxed. And the OB came in and she said, okay, so I'm going to examine you. If I see bum, you're going to have to go ahead and keep pushing. Um, that's just how he's going to come into this world. That's how he wants to come, you know, so we'll, we'll make it work. If I don't see bum, I will give you the option and you can go ahead with the C-section or you can continue to push. I was assessed. They couldn't see his bum yet. She gave me the option. Do you want to keep pushing or do you want a C-section? And I was like, just give me the C-section. You know, whatever happens, I could deal with, but I, I couldn't, I didn't want to take any more risks. I was like, I'm done. You know, like emotionally, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, and then having, you know, my brother's birth kind of in the back of my mind, making that decision as well. So they did the C-section and yeah, that was pretty quick. Um, I think the longest part was them putting me back together. Um, I wasn't really expecting that, you know, definitely something I, I wasn't prepared for. Um, but you know, I'm grateful that it happened that way. Um, and even after, you know, my the midwife came back and she said the C-section was your best call. Uh, he's seven pounds, 12 ounces, and he has a head. He would have gotten stuck. So thankfully, it played out the way that it that it did because it could have been, it, there could have been even more trauma there. There he was, you know, a perfectly healthy baby born at 36 weeks and 30 or uh, six days. So if we had waited, if he waited another day, you know, and I went ahead with that home birth, like, I don't know what that would have been like or what that would have looked like. You're a warrior. That is wild story. It's a lot. And... It's a lot to talk through and think back on, and so it like brings me back to so many moments of my first C-section too, and especially what you're saying about signing the papers and your husband and the emotions for them as well, and you're off on your own going to the OR, and it's just it's things that you can't imagine the um, the depths of those feelings until you've experienced it. Exactly, and still coming to terms with a lot of those feelings too and you know like I'm in a much better place um because it it forced me to look a little bit deeper within myself um and really focus more on my mental health because I after his birth I sank to my lowest that I sank um because I had complications of the C-section 
uh, as well that landed me back in the hospital um, after being home for a day. It was, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's tough to talk about and I'm trying to like make sense of what I want to say and it's just, yeah, there's just a lot of emotion there that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all three and, you know, talking it through, Justin and I both talked through births or births and yeah, it kind of always brings up something new when you go through it, things you maybe didn't remember before or it's been a while. So um, we appreciate you kind of going through that um, with us, with our listeners. So with first time expecting moms who are listening to this, do you have any advice that you would give to them to prepare going into their first birth? I know there's so much that you can't prepare and you're never fully prepared, but what what would be your advice to them? You know, I think, you know, especially, you know, where we're at in our birth society today, um, it, it focuses a lot on the birth plan and what your birth should look like where I think we also need to take care of our postpartum recovery and have a postpartum recovery plan that may look a little different for every family. Um, but I think definitely going into recovery in, in my experience anyway, it has probably been my biggest challenge in all of my births. How do you feel like, this last birth experience has changed you in your professional world? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, so I will say, so it wasn't so much the trauma of the C-section. Um, I don't feel, you know, ill feelings there, a lot of traumatic feelings there. Like, like I said, I'm still coming to terms with all of that. Um, I was back in the hospital a few days later, just in excruciating pain um, that Percocets couldn't even take care of. Um, and I remember, you know, my lowest point was, you know, going to bed and just crying to my husband. And this pain, it lasted, you know, um, a few weeks. Um, and, you know, I think it was like five or six days postpartum and you know, I was back home with my husband and nobody knew it was wrong with me. They couldn't explain it. So they gave me Percocets to help with the pain. It, it didn't help at all. Um, you know, I remember going into bed, crying to my husband saying, I want to die. I don't want live with this. It, it just hurts so badly and having no answers. Um, not being able to hold my baby, I was in so much pain. And if I did, I, the pain would just intensify. Um, I wasn't able to nurse him and just like, I don't want to live like this. Um, you know, and that was my introduction into therapy and getting treated for my mental health stuff, um, for real. Um, and I made a promise to myself that if I can get through this, um, I was going to start breaking down my walls of fear. Um, I had a lot of imposter syndrome, so I was afraid to put myself out there 
um, and really share my stories and experiences. Um, you know, I was afraid to really grow in my business because I was afraid that I wasn't good enough. Um, so, you know, I'm like, and then, you know, even physically, you know, with my own physical health journey with the prolapse and, you know, giving up some of the training that I enjoyed in fear of what may happen. Um, I made a promise that if I can get through this, you know, I can get through anything. I can handle anything. Um, and like I said, I, that's when I started going to therapy for real and really focusing more on that. Um, at four months postpartum, I was still having a lot of issues with some of my anxiety. And I did, I, I joined CrossFit. I was like, you know what? I need to have some confidence in my body again. I need to have some confidence in myself. So why not beat the crap out of myself and go to CrossFit? Um, but with that, um, it gave me, you know, and then taking Brianna's course as well. Um, while I was pregnant, I felt that I was um, educated enough that it, that I could handle that. And I did my rehab and all that other fun stuff. Um, and in that in itself has been a learning experience because now I'm able to work with women who are at an advanced level in their training um, through pregnancy, postpartum and managing their pelvic health. Because now, you know, like I kind of, you know, walk that walk, right? So even professionally, it's kind of accelerated me to a new level um, that goes kind of beyond the traditional postpartum pregnancy fitness training. Um, I rebranded my business um, because, you know, again, uh, I wanted to kind of step out of my comfort zone and w again, work with women at a higher capacity. And I felt like the current business that I had um, just didn't convey that message. So my messaging changed, my outlook on myself changed, my confidence, um, you know, and I'll be honest and say that I'm still coming to terms with a lot of my C-section emotions. Um, so the last hurdle here is my, my scar, the way that it healed. My daughter calls it a worm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to kind of close that chapter. So the other day uh, I did a photo shoot and, you know, I wanted to see my body as something strong. I wanted to see my C-section scar as something strong. So um, we got a couple of really cool images um, that I posted one of, one of them yesterday. I haven't gotten them all back, but you know, it, it's just interesting because you know, in the last year, things have really come full circle, you know, professionally, emotionally, physically. Um, and going through that much pain brought it so much positivity, which I, I think is a blessing. And I can honestly look at that now and see that. Yeah, it's incredible. These, 
you know, you always don't wish these circumstances upon everyone and we don't want to have trauma in order to grow. There are, you know, there are other ways that we can facilitate (laughs) growth, but these experiences do can be an opportunity to grow in such huge ways. I just, um, I'm interested. I don't even know if you can answer this, but which of those three birth experiences do you think changed you the most? Graydon's birth, not only third, um, because with Brandon and Cassandra, everything was internal, right? Whereas with Graydon, you know, like I have the battle wounds to prove everything that I've been through and it tells a story um, and you can see it. Um, You know, and it's made me realize that I have more work to do, I guess, in educating women um, as far as, you know, all birth, as well as, you know, the power that, you know, a C-section has, you know, I, I find that, you know, even with working with clients, my own feelings initially, um, my feelings around C-sections were like based on fear. Um, but, you know, I think it's time to change the language a little bit um, and help women understand that it can be empowering. It can be positive um, if you allow it to be. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of those. And uh, and yeah, I know we're going to have so many listeners who are going to be commenting and giving feedback of how much this episode helped them. Um, so thank you. And can you let our listeners know where they can find out more about you online? Yeah, um, well, I've been hanging out a lot lately on Instagram. So that's at childbaldock. Uh, you can find me on my website at thebarbellbalance.com. Um, and you can even contact me through my website as well. Um, yeah. Um, and I'd love to hear from anybody that has questions uh, because I know, you know, it's sometimes easier to talk things over with someone that's been there. And, you know, I have three different experiences that I can share and hopefully help. Um, other women come to terms with their birth stories. Thank you so much for sharing your journeys with us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I I hope it helps. I hope, you know, it reaches people in a positive way. On the next episode of Two Birth and Beyond, we have Rishma Walji, who is a naturopathic doctor and fertility coach. In this episode, we talk with Rishma all about fertility. We speak about periods, menstrual cycles, conception, getting pregnant, staying pregnant, fertility struggles, challenges in relationships when those struggles may arise, and so much more. Rishma is a wealth of information on this topic, and we know you're going to love this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 